0: So a big question that we asked a lot was just how are, how can we be church in the neighborhood without an understanding or an expectation that people were going to come to us to experience church. Um, so a lot of that included our team just being present in a lot of places together. So our team meetings were held in cafes and restaurants and bars, and we would had a... Had a time period that we were doing uh, a night called Bible and Beer that we met at a place that um, craft beer was very new to to Spain to Valencia and we had met some guys with the, their bar and we went there and read through the Book of Mark. But whoever wanted to come along.
1: welcome everybody to another episode of the Communitas podcast. Really excited to be with you today and also our guest. I think you're going to find her story just really inspiring and fascinating. We are on Zoom today with our guest coming from Spain and someone who's been with the organization a long time, Amy Rubio Suacina. Amy, so good to have you with us and what a joy it is to work alongside you. How are things in Spain today?
0: Oh, they're pretty good. Other than um, just having the hose uh, burst a hole into it and spray water into our house from the terrace Mm. and completely soak an entire bookshelf
2: filled with games and
0: all kinds of things. So right now our terrace is covered in all of this stuff trying to dry in the sun. So other than that, it's a great day here in Valencia.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> the, the Monopoly board's going to be warped.
0: Yeah, all of it is going to be warped, but hey, there are worse things. Not a big deal. Right on.
1: Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. Amy, <laughs> I thought it would be probably a good start to, uh, I mean, a lot of people in the organization know you and your story, but we also have a lot of listeners outside the organization. So give us a little bit of a history of your engagement with Communitas and what that looked like coming on board and how things kind of ended up in some of the projects you've been involved in. There's a big question. So have a listen, what that looked like coming on board and how things kind of ended up in some of the projects you've been involved in. There's a big question. So have a way.
3: Yeah. Um, so when I graduated from college,
0: I knew that I was feeling called towards, ministry, towards mission, um, and thought that it was Germany. Um, I studied German in high school and also in college and thought, this could be it. I speak a fairly decent level of German and knew that Europe was the place. Um, And during my German classes in high school, started learning about the spiritual state of Europe. And... Yeah. Just feeling like this, this is where God was calling me. Um, but then as I started looking for opportunities and trying to find ways to get there, none of the, uh, none of the organizations, none of the places that I had seen resonated with the way I were called in ministry, um, just felt a lot of rules and a lot of do's and don'ts. Um, and uh kind of straightforward, this is how it's done. And to me, that felt like uh, really kind of closed in how maybe we are supposed to approach mission and gospel living in Europe. Um, so long story short, through uh, another couple in in the organization, uh, Mike and Carol Kurtika, who are in Scotland, found out about now communitas. They're from my home church in Maryland. Um, And they're back, uh, I think raising funds or something like that in Maryland. And I was living in Michigan and my mom calls me. It's like, you know, the Critiques are in Scotland. That's Europe. Maybe you should check out their organization. So having a look on the website, I saw the values and it just grabbed my heart and was like, yes, I think this is it. Um, and after the, the application and interview process, just knew these are my people. Um, but there were no opportunities in Germany. So then decided to continue moving forward and see what might be. Um, and a door opened for Madrid. So I moved to church, understanding of mission. Um, yeah, of felt good calling me on to be a part of planting a new church. Um, When was it? I guess February of 2014 up in Valencia, Spain, to lead a new church plant here. Um, Felt really that God was asking me and a team to come Church for people who have never been a part of a church before, who have known Jesus and maybe necessarily wouldn't enter a quote unquote traditional normal church. Um, and to be focused in a so came here with a team of six of us, and that's what doing here last nine years now. Um and the team has shrunk, um, but we, we continue on so. That's kind of the the short of the whole story, yeah,
3: the abbreviated
0: wow. version, if you will.
1: You said that as you were considering a call into mission, you were recognizing the spiritual state of europe. Mm-hmm. explain Explain the spiritual state of Europe from your perspective.
0: Yeah. Um, I think when I first started learning about Europe and kind of the spiritual state, Um, I was learning about it from a perspective of of seeing that churches were closing um, and understanding what does that mean. Um, And yeah, in my my German classes, learning about churches that had closed their buildings because people weren't going anymore, people weren't interested, and converting the buildings into theaters and bars and cinemas and things like that. and when I moved here, when I moved to Spain, I think that there was more hostility maybe towards Christianity or towards religion, mm. um, especially in Spain. They have a pretty sordid past with the church. Um, so understandably, people are suspicious of it. They don't trust it uh, because it's done a lot of damage in the past. Um but I think the way people responded to that was, was completely rejecting any kind of spirituality. Mm. Um, but then finding that that wasn't sufficient and that they actually needed something. Mm. So even within the last eight years of, or nine years of being here in Valencia, some of the people that we connected with when we first moved here described themselves as atheists and, you know, made comments like, oh, no one wants to talk about that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, And over time, shifted to being very spiritual people, um, but kind of creating their own spirituality and and picking from here and there of what works for them and what feels good, what feels right. Um, So I don't, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's maybe the same kind of hostility or closeness to being a Jesus follower as there used to be. But there's still very much a closeness to the exclusivity of being a Jesus follower. If they can add that into all of their other beliefs, then that's great. Um, but if you need to decide that that's it for me, that probably won't happen.
1: Yeah, it, it is an interesting thought process to, to see Europe and to know its history. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to determine what is it like to embed there to live the Christ life? So, uh, and certainly the, the history of the church has a lot to do with that. Um, even World War history has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, in France, they say, uh, after World War I, we lost our whole heart. And after World War II, we lost our soul.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and And so I'm curious what you've seen from that perspective. But you also made a comment earlier about when you moved to Valencia, um, creating a place um, that wasn't quote-unquote normal, like normal church, <laughs> Yeah. right? So explain that a little bit. How do you embed and, and create community?
0: We felt really called to being a part of a particular neighborhood and being church in that neighborhood. Um, so a lot of that included our team just being present in a lot of places together. So our team meetings were held in cafes and restaurants and bars. And we would had a had a time period that we were doing a, a night called Bible and Beer, that we met at a place that um, craft beer was very new to to Spain, to Valencia. And we had met some guys with the their bar, and we went there and read through the book of Mark with whoever wanted to come along. I love Yeah, so we've spent a lot of time just investing in our neighborhood and trying to get to know people there. So we've done, we've experimented with so many different things. We've taken um, ceramics classes together. We have held different events and galleries and cafes. We have done a blog where we are interviewing people in the neighborhood and just asking them where they find inspiration and hope what they love about our neighborhood and then who they see beauty in that we can interview next. And our kind of the, the idea behind it was that we wanted to chase beauty through the neighborhood. Um, And that's how we've gotten to know a lot of people actually is through people that have been recommended to us through that blog. Unfortunately, we don't have the manpower to to continue on with that, but I think that's probably been one of the, the most impactful ways that we have been able to, to be a presence that that is pointing to people, the fingerprint of God that we see in their lives, and then helping them see that in other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I it's it is not normal for sure the way the <laughs> way that that our faith community has has expressed itself over time. Um, but it's also been really beautiful to see how god has just opened doors for us in different places as well as we try to expose the fingerprint of god that is already there in in our neighborhood and in the people of our neighborhood.
1: Right. Oh, that's outstanding. Hey, we're joined on this podcast today with Joy Preston as well. So Joy, if you have questions, please feel free to hop in or ask or make comments as you as you'd like.
2: Yeah, I Think that is just such a beautiful description, Amy. And I'm curious what drew you to the arts, or how did I mean, I'm hearing a thread of a lot of the expression of arts and what you're doing. How did that come to be?
0: Yeah. Um, so when I first joined uh, my team in Madrid, one of the things that drew me is that it was a very creative team. My team leader was an actor. Um, I had a couple of teammates who were painters. I'm a dancer. I've danced since I was very young. Um so felt very drawn to being able to use the artistic creative gifts that I felt I had have um to be able to for that to be a part of mission, for that to be a part mm-hmm. of how we express kingdom and the body of Christ. Um so that has always just been really important for me. Um so okay. coming to Valencia, that was a huge um Dry, kind of driving value of ours is creativity. Um And a number of our teammates that came are also creatives and artists, writers and painters and um, a dancer. Um, mm. So that has been how we've been drawn to kind of looking for beauty and creative ways of expressing who we are as a church and as a community. Um, so yeah, that's been really important and even helped us choose the neighborhood that we have ended up in because um, it is the neighborhood with the most galleries and art spaces. Um, oh, wow! Can't think of the right word for that.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, it yeah, reminds but... me of the idea of what's in your hand. What do you have? And that sounds like you all gathered because of what you had that was in common and found yeah. a location that had that same, that same expression in common. Yeah.
1: It's so cool. Yeah. I really want to move there.
2: <laughs> please, so like, please
1: do. Sounds, you know, right? <laughs> oh, sounds my great. In the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, it's just so inspiring. So, you, you mentioned the, the spiritual kind of state of Europe, but what I'm finding so cool about how you guys have gone about this is the recognition that, regardless of how people feel about the big C, capital C church, that everybody has a thread of spirituality and everybody mm-hmm. has a desire to be in community right
0: yeah yeah and,
1: and what what you've done is you've you've created community first in other words you, you've kind of taken the typical order of and we can expound on this but the believe behave belong and you yeah. flipped it um, where everybody belongs and yeah. you know behavior and belief may come sometime quite later has that been your experience
0: oh for sure yeah and that that was um, very early on when I moved to Spain. Um, I think it was my very first uh, Christian Associates uh, staff conference um, mm-hmm. that Alan Hirsch was there and talked about that kind of triangle of believe, behave, belong, and it was just kind of this light bulb for me yeah. of like, oh my goodness, that yes, that I understand the kind of the perspective that the church has had, especially the North American church, because that had been my experience. Mm-hmm um, and just how I felt that it was maybe turned upside down and that the belong part should happen first and hopefully from that belief will come and that will impact people's behavior um so yeah, when well, actually one of the questions we did a, a research trip to Valencia before moving here and one of the big questions that we asked was where do people find community? And the answer was in uh with the football team, um or with um in Valencia, we have these groups that are called Fayez groups. There's a massive festival that happens here um, in March that is, I think, one of the third, it's I think it's the third largest like festival in the world that happens. Oh, wow. Um and these community groups that are based within neighborhoods um raise money to build these big effigies that they end up burning um it's just this crazy thing but that's where people find community is in this group or supporting a football team mm-hmm. and it wasn't right. in church
1: yeah mm-hmm. right oh man it's fun we've talked about the festival before but it sounds like burning man on steroids oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah tell, tell tell everybody how much sleep you get that week
0: oh not much
1: <laughs> <Because>.
0: i mean <laughs> oof, it is insane you just people tell you that it's loud and that people don't sleep, and that there are dance parties in the streets that go until 4 a.m. and then they start with firecrackers at six. But you just, unless you experience it, you cannot imagine the noise wow. and the insanity. It's yeah, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> Sounds like it'd be really fun the first time.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think maybe just to visit for those few days rather than live in the midst of it. But anyway.
1: There you go, yeah. right? Yeah. right. <laughs> um, so Amy, I, I'm curious to know, how have you been transformed in, in all of this? I mean, you've been with the organization many years and in multiple locations.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but what are some of the big markers of transformation for you in this whole process?
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, the first thing that's
0: coming to mind for me is just um, kind of a deepening of my understanding of who God is and how we can commune with him mm-hmm. and yet in the midst of that deepening and understanding of the vast mystery mm-hmm. as well and being more okay with it yeah. Um I think when I first moved to Spain as a almost twenty six year old um, was pretty naive and pretty um, black and white maybe in my thinking and understanding of of who God is and what it means to follow Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and. Yeah, in my understanding of church. I mean, I there's been so much that has transformed within me mm-hmm. um, in, in how, yeah, and just how I'm able to be with God um, and help to facilitate that for other people too. Um, I don't know if I'm putting enough words to that, but
3: no, yeah, absolutely. just some,
0: a broadening and a deepening, I think.
1: I, I think the lack of words actually says a lot. and even even some of the pauses and spaces, right? I mean, it leads mm-hmm. us into that that pondering kind of place. So, yeah, so I'm curious about it, though, because I mean, some of that is um, cultural. Some of it is geographical, certainly. Mm-hmm. um. Some of it's probably just, you know, internal processing, but but what kinds of, are, are there any authors or books or things you've read that have affirmed that in you, especially toward kind of more of the the mystery in a sense? Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I think I'm pretty fortunate in, in where I live in just um, St. Teresa of Avila. Mm. I've been to Avila a number of times. Mm. Um, just some of the Christian mystics that come from, this country my country yeah. that i live in um and even a understanding of different aspects of catholicism and some of the the more contemplative practices that have come out of catholicism i think mm-hmm. that has has had some impact on me um you know i i grew up in a in a place and maybe a time as well that as an evangelical christian like Catholics were not Christians, and there was nothing good that came from Catholicism. Right. So um, mm-hmm. that was kind of a breaking down for me of, huh, interesting. There are actually some really beautiful, redemptive things that have come from the Catholic Church. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that has been some. I, Henry Nowen, I love Henry Nowen. Yes. Um, Oh, man, my mind just went blank. David Benner has been oh. a big one as well. Great. Um, yeah, I think Henry Nowen has probably been one of the most influential uh, writers, authors for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Great. Well, and and, Rich, and
0: Richard Foster, too.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Celebration of Disciplines, that book, uh, I read that in my mid to late 20s in Madrid. And that book just turn my life upside
1: down. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, we'll put some of these in the show notes as well. Um, links to authors and various books and websites. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be sure and, and, and capture that, uh, in there. So, um, Amy, tell us a little bit about what your current role is with the organization. You talked about helping other people, um, experience the, the mystical spiritual, what, tell us what you do for the organization now and, and how we achieve some of that.
3: Yeah.
0: So I have two roles within Communitas. Um, one is uh, continuing as a, as a, as pastoring leading our church plant here in Valencia,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Coyema Colectiva. Um, and my other role is as the chief wellness officer for Comunitas, which really, just means um working towards seeing wellness and wholeness in each of our staff members. Um, so it includes overseeing our staff care and development team um, that looks at spiritual formation and just how people are doing and how families are doing and wanting to track with them. um, and then also overseeing our training team. So making sure that people are equipped well for what God is calling them to. Um, and just serving our staff as best as best as I can with the teams that that I work with. And um yeah, for me, I feel like I would not be where I am today without those things in my life and the way that different people within Communitas in the past have built into me and cared for me um, and have trained me and pushed me forward. My my team leader Troy in Madrid gosh, without him, I would not be where I am. And he was so much about developing young leaders. And so the training that I received from him and the development from him, leader development, um, has led me to where I am. And I think the longevity of still being in Europe 17 years later and uh, looking towards the next 10 years and what that could be. Um, But yeah, I I want that for for all of our our staff, all of our missionaries to to be in a place of wholeness and health and
1: well-being. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, for sure.
2: I hear that passion in your voice for mentorship and coaching and Mm -hmm. carrying others on. Can you tell us about um, studying spiritual direction? What has that path been for you?
0: Yeah, so it was really interesting because right before stepping into the role of uh, chief wellness officer, I had been kind of contemplating taking some time to, to just kind of uh, study or learn or grow or, and I wasn't really sure what that was going to be. Spiritual direction had been drawing me for a while um, mm-hmm. as I've been meeting with the spiritual director for, for a number of years, um, but coaching and spiritual formation and things like that. Um, and ended up finding a, a spiritual direction program that I really loved, um, that had a focus on walking with cr- people working cross-culturally, um, mm-hmm. or spiritual direction cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so decided to step into that and then also stepped into the new role. So it was not just a year focused on learning and growing in that way, but also mm-hmm. learning and growing in a new role. Um, But completed last year, last November, a two-year course to become certified as a spiritual director. Um, And that has been such a gift. Um, I don't see it right now as um, a new career path or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it it is a a new way of knowing how to walk with people um, Mm -hmm. and sit with people in their questions Um, And listen better with um, the ears of listening for where the Holy Spirit might be speaking Mm -hmm. into things. Um, Yeah, that's been,
2: I've loved it. It seems huge because you bring that then to every conversation that you're Mm -hmm. having.
0: That's the hope. Mm Mm-hmm if I can get
1: out of my own way and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it just, yeah. it makes me so proud of Communitas that we take staff care seriously. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Because I, I mean, there, I, there are organizations that kind of equip you and send you and then, and then what? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we know how hard this work is. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been doing it for a long time and especially cross-culturally it can be hard and slow and lonely. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit and how, how we try to keep a sense of togetherness and unity when people can feel awfully lonely in the, in the field.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that is hard. There are a lot of people I think that feel pretty isolated in what they're doing. And it is so easy to forget that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I said that the right way. Yeah. Um, It's hard to remember (laughs) that you're not alone. It's, you feel like, Oh my goodness, I'm the only one doing this. And I don't see any fruit because Europe is such a dry, hard land. Um, And what am I doing? And I think it's really easy to question um, purpose and identity mm-hmm. in this kind of work, um, and yeah, without people walking with you through that, it's you just can't. Um, I think one of the the things for me um, as someone on the field, and also I think I've seen as as someone who helps facilitate soul care retreats, mm-hmm. I've seen how it's impacted people. Um, that that for me I think is one of the best things that we do in a in a staff care and development area. In addition to walking with families and how we've been trying to to care for families better and care for their kids, um, and we still have a long way to go in that. But I think um, we're heading in the right direction. Um, but yeah, to be able to invite people away for a few days of retreat and to just spend time with the Lord and maybe learning new spiritual practices, um, being able to share where you're struggling, um, being able to just approach Jesus together um, is such a, a life-giving, bolstering kind of thing to be able to then head back into your space, your place where where you've been called.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There, there are so many great stories uh, of our staff that have participated in those, and you've done a number of them um i'd I'd love for you to share just a little bit about the one that was conducted in um, Ireland, and I mean yeah. you've already mentioned some of the aspects of what happens there, but give people kind of a glimpse because one it's location and and two it's experience, and three, it's rest and quiet. so yeah, yeah yeah
0: the so last. September, October 2022, um, we did our first in-person soul care retreat since COVID um, in Northern Ireland in just this incredibly beautiful location. And the two years prior, our soul care retreats had been online via Zoom um, and had focused a lot on what we were all experiencing, on letting go and grieving and what it means when we can't control the things that we thought we could, and just all these kind of hard, heavier things, and lament. Um, and we just felt like we need to just focus on overall well being. And what can we do that will be life giving and building into resilience? Um, so that was that was kind of our focus, and we talked about resilience, and we talked about what kind of things are life giving for us, and how can we uh, write a rule of life, which is uh, something that would that comes from the Catholic Church um, yep. or from Benedict, Benedict right? Yeah. Um, and just uh, which I still sometimes have issues with that name, rule of life. Um, But it's just this beautiful way of looking at what are the things that are life-giving for me and that are connecting me to God. And now how can I be intentional about making sure that those things are in my daily, weekly, monthly, yearly practices. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we did. And we spent time in nature and we went for walks and we had um, one of our counselors there who was open to meeting with people and talking through some stuff that if anyone needed to talk through some stuff. Um, so it was it was just a really beautiful time. And a couple of people had talked about how isolated they had felt and how lonely and just what a gift it was to connect with other people on our staff. Um, and some of them had joined the organization since COVID and had never met any of our other staff in person. So anytime yeah. that we can be together in person and and be walking in some of those spiritual practices, I think is a
1: huge win. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I really do encourage that for everyone uh, inside, outside the organization. doesn't matter, but uh, those kinds yeah. of spaces are are sacred and, and really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, if you don't mind now, I know that you, you found your life partner and within the last few years, which has been a great celebration, but for a lot of those years, you were a young single woman. As yeah. a missionary in europe, what what mm-hmm. advice would you give young women today that are coming out of college and saying, "Hey, I think this is this is my life." what would what would you how would you encourage them? How would you warn them? What would you say?
0: <laughs> mm. Yes, do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is not easy uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I had a really hard time when I felt God calling me to Valencia and just was like, seriously, Lord, you want me to do this again? Start over again by myself again and seeing, I mean, it can be really challenging knowing that a lot of people it's, it's hard for everyone to leave your home country, to leave your home culture, family, um, But I think it's nice when you have a a partner or a family to go with you um, and can be pretty challenging uh, when you're on your own. And it has certainly helped me open, maybe, or my perspective of what family is and what it is maybe meant to be. Um, And feeling like over the last, um, I just got married a year and a half ago um, and met my husband about... A year and a half before that. So started dating him when I was um 39. Um Mm -hmm. so up until then, kind of doing this all on my on my own and making family and who is going to be family to me. Um so I think that's that can be a challenge, but also I think it's a good challenge um, for people who are single and also for families and couples. What does it mean to be family, to to those around you? If you have a family, how do you invite someone who's single in to be a part of that?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're single, sometimes it is, where can I kind of force myself into a family mm-hmm. um, to be com- to become part of that? Um, yeah, and as there have certainly been challenges as a um as a single woman in leadership. And stepping into areas of leadership and being questioned here, when I first moved to Valencia, um, I visited a church. and the I think it was it was a pastor or an elder, or someone was talking to me and talking down to me quite a bit, and just about how hard it is to be a missionary in Spain. Like, I had no clue what I was doing. And this was after telling him that I had already been a missionary in Spain for eight years and was moving here to start another church plant. And then he's asking, and who's the pastor? Um, Hmm. Me. You're the pastor? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. You know, so just there are things like that of just, yeah, misunderstanding. Um. Spaces and places where it's still not acceptable um, to be a woman in leadership. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's also been an incredible adventure.
1: In our our vision and mission, it's the transformation, right? It's transforming cities. Mm -hmm. It's it's transforming the world, really. Yeah. you know, uh, a leader like you In the culture that you're in is extraordinarily transformative for so many people, which is so Mm -hmm. cool.
3: So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I want to encourage you to please keep going. Yeah, thanks. Wonderful. Hey, um, you shared with us a few weeks ago um, that you had some interns that were in Valencia. Uh, I think they were college age, but I'd I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you met with them and what that looked like and Maybe even some transformation that happened for you or for them through that process.
0: Yeah. Well, it was actually through um, an exchange program, um, which I also got connected to from Mike and Carol Kartika. They seemed uh, to draw me into stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is so it was these four um, college kids, I think they were all sophomores studying mechanical engineering at the university here in, in Valencia, and I got to be a spiritual mentor for them. They're part of a, an exchange program that has a, a Christian focus to it, um, so as a part of their time abroad, they had a spiritual mentor, and it was really interesting and really fun. Um, it was a very different perspective of, it's been a while since I've worked with with college kids, our community here in Valencia. Um, we've tended to be a little bit older, mid-20s youngest, really, but then yeah. 30s, 40s, now 50s. Um, so it's been a while since I've worked with university-age students, and it was just eye-opening, uh, realizing how the world is changing, Um, But also just um, being able to walk with these students in a place where they don't speak the language. They aren't committed to being here long-term, but trying to um, just help them broaden their perspective of where might they be experiencing God um, in in their daily lives and understanding who he is in this place where they don't, Maybe understandable, a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
1: yeah, how did they change you? What did you learn from them?
0: Yeah, I felt like there were a number of times that I was uh, being reminded of some of my some of the concepts that I've learned as a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And I think my default is wanting to teach them all the stuff that I know. Because I can see that they're young and that they're inexperienced, and I have more experience, um, and I understand what it is to live cross-culturally, um, and just being drawn towards asking them questions. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the young men in the group um, is really in a kind of a place of spiritual crisis, I think is maybe the word that he used, or just really kind of deconstructing. And one of the last times we met, he he had shared that as he was thinking through some stuff, he realized that everything about his faith came from other people, mm. and that he didn't really know what he believed anymore, mm. and was trying to, to know who God was on his own kind of thing. Um, And yeah, just to be able to hear that, and I think before I probably would have freaked out a little bit and like, oh my goodness, he's (laughs) losing his faith. Um, But being able to sit with him and hear that and tell him that it was okay and it was good Mm -hmm. and to keep asking the questions and be reminded that God is big enough for those and to not be freaked out that, he's walking away from his faith. Maybe he will. I don't know. I'm praying that mm-hmm. he won't. Um, but knowing that I can't give him answers that I shouldn't
3: mm-hmm.
0: give, try to give him answers because that's what people have done his whole life, um, that he needs to figure it out himself and, and experience God himself. Um, so that was, I, I don't know if that really answers your question, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Um, It was somewhat transformative in uh, just being reminded of that um, and being reminded of how, how to walk with these young people. And, you know, I think a lot of times my desire is, Oh, I just want to tell them that it's going to be okay and that they're going to make it. And, (laughs) and maybe that's not true. And maybe I can just sit with them and ask
1: those questions and, be there. Yeah, that's really good.
2: As you think about him and and the other university students and just next generation leaders in general, like what do you think the biggest challenges are today that they're facing? I heard some mm-hmm. of it in what you were just saying—that deconstruction, trying to figure things out for themselves. What else have you noticed? Oh, I think I think community
0: is going to be harder. Mm. Um. because of social media in a lot of ways and just connection to technology. And oh, I think there's a lot of challenges now that you're asking me this. Um, <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking about how it's so easy to find all the answers. You know, you don't know something, you Google it. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be more challenging for people to sit in the mystery Mhm, um, and how to lead people into sitting in the mystery and not knowing, um, yeah, I think the continued deconstruction and distrust of the way that um people who have called themselves Christians have hurt other people, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, distrust of
3: institution and authority. Um, I think a a lack of willingness to do hard things and sacrifice and submit. Yeah. Yeah. Instant
0: mm-hmm. gratification. I mean, the list goes on. There are a lot of yeah. challenges. Um, are, yeah, we're we've not made it easy for <laughs> for generations to come. It was not made mm-hmm. easy for us, but I don't think we're well, I don't want to say that in such a broad statement. there's a there are a lot of people who are, I think um, really helping to grow the kingdom in really beautiful ways and setting amazing examples. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there are also a lot of, a lot of challenges for young leaders coming up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just where, where the world is at today, where culture is at, so much has changed so quickly since mm-hmm. we were growing up. It's, it's all, all new and yeah, those of us who are a little bit older didn't experience it. In that same way. And it's vastly right. different than when we were in high school and going to universities. Yeah. So we don't even yeah. necessarily have the tools to pass on yet, except like you said, for sitting with them, like you're doing, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. Just to have one adult there alongside.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it, I want to echo that too. That is so important. You know, I, I think growing up in the generation I grew up in, we were so focused on the how because the how was more complicated, right? So you want to learn about an era of history. And today, you type it in Google and you have an answer in in a second. I mean, there's instant gratification, right? When I was growing Mm -hmm. up, you had a question about an era of history and you didn't know an expert on it. So you went to the library (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) and you researched and you studied (laughs) and you
1: found five books and you read part of each one of them. And, you know, it was... It, it was a chore, but but that had us, I think, in my generation, focused so much on the how, you know, about getting mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. In one sense, I think this instant gratification or, or instant knowledge, of course, depending on how much you can trust the source on the internet, interweb, um, <laughs> it, 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 it can have the potential of leaving more room for the experiential, for the why instead of the how. So I'm hoping that... Mm we can help shepherd that
3: mm-hmm.
1: well amy i we, i know that we're coming up against time um such a great conversation uh i do i do want to acknowledge troy um uh, and hopefully Troy yeah. will, he'll be a he'll be a future <laughs> podcast guest because i hope so he has touched so many lives as he has touched yours he's touched mine too yeah and, um gosh what a what an influence and inspiration uh he has been for all of us so
3: if you could have
0: him on just to make him laugh and for people to hear his laugh, it would be worth it.
1: <laughs> nice. Okay. Challenge. <laughs> that's a the challenge. <laughs> I love it. Amy, are there no. any uh, questions we haven't asked you or anything you want to share with us?
0: The only thing that's popping into my mind right now is, um, just thinking about language. And, you know, if anyone happens to listen to this and they're thinking about maybe, maybe mission could be what God's calling me to, but I don't speak Spanish or I don't speak German or I don't speak French. Mm -hmm. um, You can learn. I studied German and moved to Spain. I think I could count to five, but not more. (laughs) And, you know, I knew the only words that we would ever use in the U.S. that are Spanish, taco burrito, Serisa. hola, adios, and that was it. Um, <laughs> and now I'm married to a man that doesn't speak English. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: And we are churches all in Spanish. And yes, I still make a lot of mistakes and still struggle. Um, but go for it, pursue it. Mm. You can learn a language. Yeah.
1: Boy, thank you for saying that. I think it's so critical. Awesome. Uh, You have been listening to the Communitas podcast. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we sure do encourage you to share it with a friend. We are available on all the major podcast platforms. And uh, please do make some comments and leave us a rating as well if you've enjoyed this. And we look forward to being with you next time on the Communitas Podcast. Peace, everybody.